0: This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael here, and I have Dr. Marcia Sirota on the line with us today. Doctor, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You've done a ton of stuff. You write... Books, uh, you, you help people with a variety of different things, but for today I wanted to focus on the subject of people pleasing and specifically on the types of burnout that people face when they go through life as a people pleaser.
1: For sure, Michael. You know, I've been in practice for a number of years and um, I, I have an interesting combination of a job. So I, I do some psychotherapy and some kind of more. Public speaking and writing, so I have a, a you know kind of two hats that I wear, and certainly in my private practice as a therapist, I've seen a lot of people develop burnout by being people pleasers, and they they keep trying to get their needs met this way, but it fails miserably, and ultimately it does lead to burnout.
0: Yeah, I have you know my own personal story uh, of, of burnout, and you know ten years ago with the. With the year of worst case scenarios uh, that was created by my own personal burnout and I had several degrees of burnout, you know, people pleasing definitely was a huge component of it. And I find too, with a lot of successful people, type A personalities that are driven, that are really gung-ho and really trying to prove themselves. uh, And sometimes that can be a lack of self-confidence from what I've experienced, as well as I guess adrenaline is a good way to put it, where you get almost addicted uh, to successes. And what happens is you just keep pushing because you want to feel that success again. However, it takes a huge toll if you don't address it accordingly. What have you found in in your practice when it comes to things like that?
1: Well, I found a combination of things. I think you're talking about two different things here. You know, that that high that you get when you have a success. Our, Our brains definitely do get kind of sensitized to certain kinds of positive experiences, and then we want more and more and more. So when we have um, successes and we get that thrill, we certainly can become almost addicted physiologically with that um, dopamine response in our brain. But there's another piece, which you also mentioned, around the people pleasing. And that's the piece that I really like to talk about and write about, because that's something that we can really change very quickly. Because people pleasing always comes from a motivation to get other people to give you approval or um, positive feedback or to have them like you. So if you're caught up in people pleasing, what you're trying to do is you're giving to get. You're not just doing something for the high of it, like um, you know the addiction to success, or you're not doing something out of the goodness of your heart. You're doing this behavior so that other people will look at you in a particular way. And that's where it gets into trouble because when we are people pleasers, we come across to other people, it's on a nonverbal level, of course, but we come across as needy, we come across as desperate, we come across as trying too hard. And so although we're trying to be approved of, what we end up being is disrespected, taken for granted, and even, you know, people have contempt for us because In our um, little primitive brains, there's still this hierarchical system going on. And so we are very sensitive to power dynamics. So someone who's super confident, let's say certain American politicians, who shall go nameless, they have this tremendous confidence which inspires other people to believe in them. It's not based necessarily on anything, but confidence makes people believe in us. Whereas on the other hand, the people pleaser who lacks confidence, who's looking for external sources of gratification, of acknowledgement, of self-esteem, they inspire contempt because they don't look like somebody who feels good about themselves. And so automatically what they're getting is exactly the opposite of what they want. They're getting disregard when, when they're looking for approval.
0: For those people that you know, lack the confidence do you notice any trends as far as in your practice, you know, the types of personalities uh, that you see that are dealing with this, or is it across the board, uh, you know, different types of genders, age groups, and whatnot?
1: It's definitely across the board. And what I see is that it always comes from them not having received enough positive, unconditional regard as, as they were growing up. So not enough, just you're good enough from their parents you know, not the spoiling kind of helicopter parents who overprotect, because also that doesn't make us feel confident, that makes us feel more helpless, but just that nice balanced, I believe in you, you're good enough, you can do it, here, let me help you learn how to do it, and then off you go and do it on your own. So kids who develop that supportive, develop in a supportive, positive, affirming environment, but not being overly coddled or overly protected. So not the helicopter parenting and not the neglectful or hypercritical parenting. I call it kind of the Goldilocks principle. Not too hot, not too cold, but just right in the middle. So these kids who grow up with that just right kind of parenting develop tremendous confidence and self-worth and they go off and they do well. But the kids who have had parents who either were overprotective and coddled them, the helicopter parents, These kids grow up without confidence because they never were able to do anything for themselves. And the kids who are neglected and insufficiently affirmed, hypercritical parents who who overly criticize them, those kids also grow up without confidence and self-esteem. And both of these groups on the opposite ends of the Goldilocks principle, both of those groups can end up being people pleasers.
0: Yeah, I've seen that in, in my line of work and uh, especially I've I noticed it more and I'm guessing it's just because I'm more aware of it now as I'm getting up there in years uh, that you know, the, the workforce that is you know turning heavily into the millennial generation you know I, I can tell those that had uh, parachute parents, basically, and those that did not. And and they're struggling a bit. None of us knew what we were doing when we first you know, got out of university and we were all fumbling around. And so that's nothing new. It doesn't matter what generation you're from. But I, I've noticed it a little bit more um, with this generation than maybe generations past. One follow-up question on, on that as far as um, the self-confidence thing. You know, let's say you have a situation where you know, the you know, individual grew up, they had very supportive parents, a lot of positive affirmations, were confident, and then they get into a relationship with somebody that is a narcissist, or maybe, you know, worst case scenario, a psychopath type of situation. Do you see when they run into those types of situations, their confidence drop off where they could actually run into uh, this type of people pleasing um, to try to address or offset what they're facing?
1: I think that's a very interesting question. I was just thinking about, you know, what it is that makes people choose a toxic partner. I actually think that if we have really good confidence, we're gonna have radar for those narcissists and sociopaths and, and you know difficult toxic people out there. And we're less likely to get involved with them and we're certainly less likely to stick around with them. I think the more fundamental confidence we have as a base within ourselves the less it likely it is to, for us to, you know, engage in any kind of meaningful way with people like that. So I think it would be the people who have kind of like so-so confidence, people who think maybe they have confidence, but it's not as strong as they might've hoped. And those people might be attracted to somebody who's very charismatic, like the sociopath, or someone who's very dramatic, like the borderline, or someone who's, you know, and narcissistic and very, you know, exciting to be around. And those people will definitely suffer uh, in their confidence and in their self-worth by association with those people. But all people pleasers really need to learn one basic thing, which is how to give themselves the love, the approval and the affirmations that they need. So everyone needs to take responsibility. So whether we've had difficult parenting or inadequate validation growing up or we've gotten involved with a boss who was abusive or a partner who was abusive, we need to stop and take responsibility for our own self-worth, for our own self-regard and stop looking to others for those things. And when we take that responsibility, first of all, we become empowered to be our own best friend. And then we are on the in the process of, of evolving and growing and developing and letting go of those dysfunctional patterns of behavior, of people-pleasing. And even, you know, choosing the wrong kinds of bosses or partners or colleagues and having a much better professional and personal life.
0: Yeah, it's as if you're giving yourself permission to choose rightly when it comes to the people and organizations you interact with. I believe you touch on this quite a bit in uh, your book, Be Kind, Not Nice, which I love that title, by the way, uh, because sometimes when people say, oh, you're you're such a nice person. Um, sometimes for some of us that have been down this people pleasing path and have quote unquote, righted the ship, it's like they're swearing at me. If they say that I'm nice, it's like, no, don't call me nice. Please say that I'm kind because I understand, you know, where they're coming from on it. But you know, you know, the great thing about your book is you give insights on how to shift, you know, that gear. So you again are taking care of yourself and also, um, you can be compassionate, but not be a welcome mat either. And I think that's one of those things uh, with a challenge that people pleasers have is they give so much of themselves to compensate for what they didn't have. It, it creates a, a huge problem um, over time, for sure.
1: Well, yes. And, you know, the difference between being kind and being nice is that the nice person is looking outwardly for fulfillment, for validation. Whereas the kind person is taking that responsibility to care about themselves, to take care of themselves, to validate themselves. So when they are doing for others, it's not giving to get, it's just giving out of the goodness of their heart and knowing their limits, knowing when to stop so they don't get burnt out. They know when to say, yes, I can do this or no, I can't. Like for example, yesterday I was asked, I work for a company. I do, um, Online consults, psychiatric consults and assessments, and uh, the company was saying, "Can you do it in French?" And I can speak French, but it's not that easy. So I said, "You know what? No, it's going to be too stressful for me." And they said, "No problem. We respect your boundaries." So that's um, an example of somebody who is able to say no and and say, "Well, I'm not going to get concerned about whether they're upset with me if I say I'm not going to do it in French because it just won't work for me." And it's it's really about caring about yourself and not being obsessed with how other people see you. If they like you, they like you. If they don't like you, they don't. If they approve, great. If they don't, too bad. And that's the difference between being kind and being nice. In the meantime, when you're kind, you you keep a lot of your energy, you reserve your resources, and so you have more energy to do good things when they make sense to you. So you can be a very caring and generous and altruistic person, but you never risk burnout because you always have that sense of what is okay for you and what is too much.
0: So when, if someone thinks that they are a people pleaser, I mean, what are some of the things that they can look at? I know we've talked about it a bit, uh, but you know, what are some key things that they could look at and as a kind of a self check going, Hmm, maybe I have an issue here and I should talk to somebody.
1: If they're doing things like, you know, always saying yes, You know, if the boss or a colleague comes and says, can you do this extra bit of work? And they always automatically default to yes. If they're the person that everyone comes to because everyone knows that they will always say yes, those are red flags. Also, if they are staying later at work, coming in earlier, working on the weekends, you know, checking their, their tablet or their phone when they're on vacation, these are probably people pleasers and they're going to get burnt out. So you have to look at, you know, are you that person that everyone always just dumps extra work on? And are you starting to feel exhausted, resentful, frustrated, irritated? You know, also another aspect of being a people pleaser is they tend to attract bullies because like I said, with that natural sense of power dynamics that we have, it's not a necessarily conscious thing, but it's definitely in the back of our minds. When people are pleasers, they often incur a certain amount of disrespect and contempt and people can bully them. So if you're starting to feel like every time you go to a new workplace, you, you get bullied, that's a pattern that has one thing in common and that's you. So why do you keep getting bullied in these environments? So that's another red, big red flag that you need to change the way you interact with your people at work.
0: No, that's an awesome list, and It definitely described a lot of what I looked like, you know, 10, 15 years ago before I, I made some significant life changes and it's, it's definitely helped me out, but those are all spot on. And, and I, you know, I know people are dealing with those all the time. One of the things too, before, um, you know, we, we wrap up is, you know, and audience I'll have all of this information in the show notes as well is your 11,000 word, um, document that you put on your website regarding the dark side of being too nice. I, you know, I read that and I'm like, this is a book in itself. You know, it's, this, this is a Ted talk. This is, you know, you name it. It's such an incredible piece. So I wanted to at least, you know, acknowledge you uh, for that and all the awesome work that you're doing, but it's, and again, this is going to be in the show notes and I highly encourage people listening to, to go take a look at this because it, it summarizes uh, what we've been talking about is so good. And there's case examples and um, things that are going to resonate with some people. So what, what motivated you to, you know, to, you know, put all those words to paper um, in, in, in that way and, and, and write um, this, you know, wonderful essay on, on, you know, the dark side of being nice.
1: It, I think it was because I, I see it as such a big problem it's such a recurrent theme in my practice. And just, you know, when I speak and, 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 you know, present to other groups, I see this a lot. And I felt like it was important to kind of clarify what the issues are and give people an idea of some of the solutions. I also though, wanted to mention that I have a course on my website that you can take. Well, it's, you can click on my website into the course when you go to the, uh, you know, the resources. And this course is also about. Um, letting go of people pleasing. So people might want to look at that as well. So I have a lot of different resources because I feel like you can't have enough resources to deal with people pleasing. You know, the book, Be Kind, Not Nice, that 11,000 word essay and my online course. I think the more we have for people and the more different approaches that they can, you know, take to examining their own people pleasing behavior and, and developing tools to change the better.
0: No, I totally agree, and uh, it's an amazing read. And again, I want everyone to take a look at that, and um, definitely we'll you know, we'll talk in a second about you know where people can find you and and you know these resources and your course and and everything else that's going on. So. Marcia, I want to thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you. I've been a follower for some time, uh, so I was excited to be able to have an opportunity to talk to you one-on-one and with, obviously, all the listeners as well about the awesome work that you're doing and you know the impact that you've had on my life and 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 everybody that you serve. So thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, to wrap up, just let people know where they can find more on you.
1: Right, you can go to my website, which is M A R C I A s i r o t a m d dot marcia Sirota, and you can sign up for my free monthly newsletter you can look at my um, articles um, you can click into my podcasts and you can um, register for my online courses i have one on overeating and one on people pleasing so there's lots of content and you can you know spend some time and check out you know some of the things that i'm i'm doing these days
0: that's awesome. And in audience, I'll have all that information in the show notes. So Marcia, thank you again for being on the show. I appreciate you and all the work that you're doing and all the best uh, in your future endeavors. Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And until next time, everybody be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention as well as get us a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.